Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Thank you, Dave. Continuing chronologically through the Bible, if this thing won't go, I didn't break it. There it is. Solomon did not include any of this section in his book, and week by week, I'm getting a stronger inclination why. In this particular section, I believe Solomon left it out on purpose because he felt strongly it was pointing right at him. <laughs> I believe that. I believe this whole section is wrapped around that thought process. This is going to look bad on me, so I'm just going to leave it out. God preserved it for 200 years, had the men of Hezekiah at it. That's why we still have it. But this section here, I want to caution us. It's going to talk about one particular thing, which the men of Hezekiah are pretty good at, is keeping it consistent. It's very tempting to begin to see ourselves in it and then say, well, actually, I'm not so bad because so-and-so is worse at that than me. That's, I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to be tempting to do that. It will, there'll be parts of it, not all of it, but there are parts of it that's like, man, that's talking about me. But then again, I'm not so bad because somebody else is worse at it. Don't allow that to happen. Okay? If we allow that to happen, I promise you in about four verses, you're going to wish we hadn't. Okay? There's a proverb coming up that's going to, just going to hammer people for doing that. Don't allow it. As we study this, this is the thought process I would recommend. It's a thought process that I had to force myself to recommend as I was preparing it. Is that me? Yes or no? Am I helping someone be that way? Yes or no? Do not go farther at it than that. Don't bring up anybody else because you're not responsible for them unless you are helping them do it. Okay? This will prevent us from getting our toes stomped on in a little bit. Proverbs 26, verse 12. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. This is going to come into play heavily in Ecclesiastes. A fool may recognize that what he is doing isn't working. Like the prostitutes and tax collectors around Jesus. But like the Pharisees around Jesus, those who think they are wise aren't even looking. The Pharisees thought they were wise and they weren't even looking for something that they needed to correct. They forgot they deserved hell. And that was their downfall. We all have a sin nature that we are all going to fight the rest of our lives. Don't assume that I got that together. Because what happens is, is you start pointing at the bad guy, the, 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 uh, the uh, tax collectors and the prostitutes. And when Jesus makes it clear that they're actually more godly than I am as a Christian, that's, that's just, it's terrifying when we finally realize this is particularly prominent among those of us who have been saved for a long time. I find 
typically, the longer a person has been saved, the more relaxed they are. My grandpa used to say something. When you get it all figured out, mm -hmm. that's when you know for sure you're wrong. Mm -hmm. There is always, always something for us to work on because the sin nature has not been taken, took, taken away. It's still there. How do I know if this is me? When I think I have nothing to work on, I need to look for what I do need to work on. When I think I have nothing to work on, I need to look for what I do need to work on because there is always something. No one in Scripture ever became a good person. Nobody. Okay? There are people who changed dramatically, but they, they did not go from being bad people to good people. The sin nature remains as long as we're in this flesh. Remember that I am not there yet. God does not expect perfection because He knows we can't provide it. He demands positive motion. He wants us every day seeking to get a little closer to Him, a little closer to Him, a little closer, step by step. But so many times... And I'm as bad as anybody else. I've been saved for 50 years. I'm 57, 49 years I've been saved. After a while, you feel like, you know what? I finally beat that. I finally beat that. I'm where I'm supposed to be. The problem is that's not acceptable to God. God wants positive motion. What's the next thing I need to work on? What's the next thing I need to Don't feel like that because I'm better than so-and-so, I don't need to work to worry about that. 13, the slothful man saith, there's a lion in the way, a lion is in the street. Proverbs 22, 13, the slothful man saith, there's a lion without, I shall be slain in the streets. Solomon did include this proverb in his book. Why did Hezekiah's men repeat it here? Why did Hezekiah's men repeat it here? I believe the next two verses are why they put it in. I'm going to shriek that down and add 14. As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. He's not in deep sleep because his body is not really tired. That's the problem. The only way to get deep sleep is to be physically tired. I know this from experience. If I'm not physically tired, it'll be hard for me to sleep. That is a good signal we need to change something. I'm not going to say what we need to change. But if, I'm, if I can't sleep, that's a signal I need to check into something. Maybe I need to see a doctor. Maybe I need to go to God and say, God, what do I need to change? But I need to be open to the possibility that what I'm doing is not the best way to do life. When we can't sleep, ask, what does God want me to be doing right now? I found this to be very effective when I can't sleep. What does God want me to be doing right now? Never once has he ever said, I want you to watch an infomercial in the middle of the night. Never once. <laughs> okay. I've told this story before, but I actually watched an infomercial in the middle of the night. The next day, bought a car because I watched the it, Somehow it got in my head and I had to have it. Which that's what those things are designed to do, is to creep into your mind when you're half in and half out of, of consciousness. What does God want me to be doing right now? If it is in fact sleeping, 
turn off all electronics except one light. Very, very important. Everything's off except for one light and read the Bible. This will work. I've had people tell me this worked for me because the devil will help us to get to sleep. He does not want us reading the Bible. He will make us sleepy to get us to stop reading the Bible. How do I know that? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but all of us know what it's like to be sleepy in a sermon. All of us. Okay? That's the devil trying to turn off our brain. It will work when we're what is the term? I keep I can't think of it. Um, insomnia. When we have insomnia, I guarantee you it will work. But if I leave the TV on, trust me, I'm going to go places I should not go. So we're going to shrink 14 down. I'm going to add verse 15. The slothful. All three verses talk about the slothful. And I believe the men of Hezekiah just did this on purpose. The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom and it grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. Hezekiah's men are making a point. Now, I don't think for a second they were as wise as Solomon was. I think that they wanted to make a point, and so they just made the point, whereas Solomon, he, he liked to let us dig a little bit. But these guys are making a point. Sloth is choosing to be inactive. That's very, very important. There are people who are inactive because they cannot be active. That is not sloth. Sloth is choosing, making a choice to be inactive. It can be physical, choosing not to move. Okay. For the record, that is me. I hate all types of exercise. I want to sit in my chair and not move. I can, I'm absolutely convinced if I ever retire, I will become slothful and die because I, I love to be physically inactive. I have to force myself to get up and go. It can be mental, choosing not to think. We had this term called amusement parks. Amuse means to not think. Right. Okay? Americans love to not think. Except for certain groups in certain situations, then they want to outthink God. Okay? But as a general rule, most Americans don't want to think about anything but what am I going to eat later? That's the, that's the typical American. Occupational slothness, choosing not to be productive. Get your toes ready because I'm going to hammer. And for the record, if God doesn't show you what I'm about to show you, ignore it because I'm nobody. But there's something that's never made sense to me, and that's retirement. Never made sense to me. Chuck, I'm, I'm going to hit you hard, okay? It's not a purpose, but you're the best example I know, okay? You work for 30 years. You say, all right, I've done my work for my life. Okay, that's good. We, we admire you for it. You're a wonderful guy. I work for 30 years. I've got my retirement coming in, or, and or, I hit 65. I've got my retirement coming in, so I don't need to work anymore. Where is that in the Bible? Not. Nowhere is that in the Bible. I can see getting to the point in our life to where we can't work, but if we can work and choose not to be productive, that is an open door for the devil. Open door. Even if we're the richest people that ever lived, we need to be productive on some level. 
You don't have to be employed. You need to have a reason to get up in the morning, a reason that God has you still on the earth. We'll talk about that more in a minute. It can be spiritual slothfulness, <coughs> choosing not to study. I was like this for 30 years. My dad was the preacher. He knew it all. I had learned all the stuff. I thought I knew it. I didn't need to read my Bible. Is it, I'm there. I'm good. Okay. We never, ever, ever get to the point to where we know all the stuff in the Bible. We'll admit that. But as soon as somebody brings something up we've never heard before, well, I've never heard that before, we'll shut it down. It's ridiculous. If we don't know it all, why would we shut it down as soon as somebody says something we've never heard before? We need to be open to learning all the time if the speaker, whoever he or she is, can back it up with Scripture. Now, without Scripture, then we got a problem because we got to test and see that, well, does Scripture say the same thing they're saying? Because there's a lot of people that when they talk, they don't use that many Bible verses, but what they're saying is coming from Scripture. So we have to be careful that we don't just shut them down because they're not quoting Scriptures. Again, we don't get to sit back and say, I'm not going to learn anything more. God, that's unacceptable to God. It is possible to be so lazy that we won't do anything to help ourselves. I believe that's what the men of Hezekiah are bringing out in these three verses. The slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and grieveth, it to, grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. He's so lazy he won't even feed himself. Usually, this is because someone is doing everything for us. In any one of those four categories, there's someone doing it for us. We are being enabled. If there is someone in our lives who needs us, and again, don't think about people that you have no influence on. If it's me, then think about it. If it's somebody that I'm helping, think about it. But don't worry about somebody else. Well, I'm not as bad as them. That's not okay. If there's someone in our lives who needs us, we need to prepare them for when we won't be there, particularly if there are children. Particularly if there are children. Parents who die and have not taught their kids to provide for themselves have greatly harmed their children and should be. Um, you can't really do anything after, after their death. You should write something on our tombstones, like these are child molesters. This absolutely the worst thing you can do is not prepare your children. I'm not saying your kids are going to do what you say. I know that better than anybody. Okay. However, I can say on a regular basis, well, I know I taught that to him. I know I taught that to her. When they ask me for something, I can remind them, I taught you about this. If we don't do that, we are hurting them. Not just our kids, but anyone we're helping in any one of the four ways. Not just our kids, but anyone we are helping. I don't like to use the word enabling because people just kind of let it drift. If we're assisting someone to be slothful in any of the four areas, we're helping them hurt. Solomon did include uh, Proverbs 19.24, a slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Why did Hezekiah's men add it? Again, it fits the three-verse uh, point that they're trying to make. The inactive person is committing suicide. Yep. What? Yep. Inactive in any of the four ways. 
It's easy to go to the homeless guy on the street. Don't think about him right now because you don't have the impact on him. Am I choosing to be inactive in any one of the four ways? Am I helping someone be inactive in any of the four ways? That's who we're thinking about right now. If I have someone in one of those two categories, I am helping them commit suicide. Not with a gun, not suicide by cop, suicide by inactivity in any of the four ways. It could be physically, mentally, <clears throat> occupationally, or spiritually. Jesus went to the cross so he could be with us, did he not? Isn't that the reason he did it? For the joy that was set before him. Why doesn't he take us now? This question should be asked. Why did God not take me to heaven as soon as my sins were paid for? Because that's all he wants to be with me. There is a reason why we're still here. I don't care how old, how disabled, how retired, how whatever. There's a reason we are still here. Once that task is done, then he brings us home because that is what he wants. He wants to be with us. He has something for us to do even if we are retired or disabled. Again, don't assume that because I put my 30 years in, I'm entitled to relax. That's not scriptural. And in Chuck's case, it's actually fiscally irresponsible. Chuck has already drawn 30 years of retirement. Chuck has drawn more than he ever put in. Okay? Thank God that Chuck's able to do that. But is Chuck allowed to just sit back and do nothing? Absolutely not. Nor do I think that you do either. I'm not calling you out because I think you're you're doing wrong. Okay, but you're a great example of what retirement can turn into. We don't necessarily retire and live for five years and die. A lot of times we retire and we keep going and keep going and keep going, especially the way medicine is today. Most of us will hit a hundred. Ask God, what do you have me here for? More specifically, what do you want me to be doing right now? Now, if he makes it clear, and some of y'all hate GPS, I don't know why, but God's Word, pressure or circumstances, and the Holy Spirit, if all three of those things agree, if he makes it clear that he wants us to rest, then do it. Jesus rested, but not for days at a time. Again, forget the guy down the street. Forget the guy that will grow ahead of you. Don't rest for days at a time. It's robbing God of what he has you here for. And again, I'm as bad as anybody. I have to remind myself, I've got to get active because I am by nature lazy. It's just all there is to it. I've been, you've been preaching that forever. So true. Verse 16 the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. This continues the thought. I took the previous stuff off the screen for a room, but it continues Hezekiah's men's thought. Verse 12, seest thou man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. That's where we started. Okay, so we got 12 through 16 that all fit together. The sluggard is worse. Because he can come up with reasons to choose to be inactive. Sloth is one thing. Lazy is lazy. 
But if you can figure out a way to twist Scripture so that God wants us to be lazy, that's a sluggard, and that's dangerous. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit, according to verse 12, making him of a fool. Seven men cannot think him. Why? Because most people don't have that knowledge of Scripture. This is why it's so important we don't look at somebody down the road, because you're not going to convince them. All you can do is convince yourself or change our actions towards someone who is important to me. I cannot change Jerry, Preston. It's not my job to change them. Okay. However, when it comes to me and my house, that I can affect. Again, usually they're able to do this because someone is doing everything for them. Classic illustration is the crazy, crazy overweight person that continues to eat. It's like, where do they get the food? Someone's getting it for them because they're out going to the store. They can't get up. Happens all the time. People who assist people in being lazy and choosing to be inactive are hurting them, and it should be a crime in any of the four ways. What is the cure for slugging, for sluggardness, if that's a word, slothfulness? What is the cure? We've already learned it several times. The cure is always hunger. That is the cure. I believe that's why God gave it to us. The prodigal never would have gone home if, someone had, if he had someone feeding him. The prodigal never would have sought God if he had someone answering all his spiritual questions. The prodigal never would have thought about anything if someone was just taking care of him. He had to get where there was nobody but God to take care of him. Then he decided, I'm going to stop being slothful. I'm going to do something. How do we kindly create hunger? And this is the problem. This morning, Michelle gave me a perfect illustration for this. And I wanted to thank her, but I knew if I did, she'd stop doing what she was doing. Can I tell them? Of course I can. Thank you. <laughs> Michelle works nights. Okay? It's difficult for her to get up any morning because her internal clock says you're supposed to sleep until noon. It's not she's a bad person. That's just the way her internal clock works. At the same time, she's 45 years old and she don't need somebody to wake her up. This morning, the situation arose where we needed to go because we had to get to dad's house on time to pick them up. Michelle wasn't ready. She asked me to do one thing to help her. I'm not gonna say what it was. Yeah, I was like, she wanted to walk the puppy. Walk the puppy. Will you walk the puppy? I said, no. Why not? I said, if I walk the puppy today, you'll expect it every week, and I'm not going there. What I did this morning was create hunger in her just a little bit to get up on time, or she's going to have problems. If we continue to help people doing for them, for them what they won't do for them, they're going to let us help them all the way. 
all the way. But we don't want to say, hey, sorry, I'm creating hunger in you. Because it makes us feel mean, makes us feel like a jerk, makes us feel guilty. How do we kindly create hunger? Never do anything for anyone. Never do anything for anyone. If we live by this rule, we will never, ever, ever come to the situation where it looks like we're creating hunger. We just always are creating hunger. Never do anything for anyone. Help them do it every single time. Every single time, I will help you do that. Physically, never bring them food. Because I am physically lazy, I insist that food be brought to me. I know that sounds awful, that's part of my sin nature. Doesn't make it okay. When someone brings me food, particularly Michelle, she's helping me be that way. On the other hand, if Michelle says, if you want it, go to the store and get it, guess who will not eat? I'm too lazy, I won't do it. I'm the guy that won't bring the, the, the hand to his mouth. So to create hunger in me, she doesn't buy it in the first place. Forget cooking it and bringing it to me. Don't even bring it in the house. That's how you kindly create hunger. Point them to where the food is. If you want it, you've got to do something. Even if they are 10,000 pounds, at that point, you've got to do something. I'm not going to help you die. Mentally, never give direct answers. And this is something that I have a problem with, but the, the third one is my big problem. Never give direct answers. Point them to where the answer is. When there is someone, particularly on the internet, who we can find that we agree with everything they point us to, they cause us to stop thinking altogether, and then we need them to tell us what to think. Don't ever allow that to happen, but we do it all the time. For years, you're going to love this. Sometimes I tell you too much. For years, I was addicted to Jerry Springer. I was addicted to that. It made me feel so much better about my own life. <laughs> if I missed Jerry Springer, I felt like I was missing something that day. That is not a healthy way to live. So how do you create hunger? You make sure that you've got to do something else during Jerry Springer. I would say that I stopped watching when they took it off the air. It's still on the air. I mean, this, this stuff, people feed on this stuff just because it makes them feel better about themselves. Don't allow anybody to give you all the answers. Give some answers to your own self through your own work and with the person you care about as well. Forget the bum. We can't do anything with him. But these are people that we have influence on ourselves. Point to where the answer is. Occupationally, never provide more than half of their money. Let that sink in. Never, under any circumstances, provide more than half their money. And this goes for DJ as well. Okay? We'll discuss how to do it, but it can be done, I promise you. Never provide more than half of their money. They must come up with some on their own. They have to. I'm going to give you two examples that happened this past week to me. 
This is the first one. This is Aiden Mulbach, my grandson. He's in uh, soccer. Uh, this came over the internet. It was a, a, a bulk mail. Aiden didn't send it. His school did. To all the emails that he gave. Put him right in the middle of the picture up there. It says, East Ridge High School Boys Soccer. Family, friends, and fans. Thank you so much for taking time to view our fundraiser page. Your support will, will help us offer a high, a high quality experience for all participants. Raising dollars for extracurricular activities is very difficult to do, but it's vital for our program. If you could spread the word about our fundraiser by sharing it with your friends via email, Facebook, and Twitter, we would greatly appreciate it. Aiden had nothing to do with that email. Nothing. I was on a list that he provided them two years ago. The money automatically comes in because I think I'm helping Aiden. Aiden learns I don't have to do anything. The money just comes. Same week, I think it was the very next day, Annalie, my granddaughter, will you support me? Look at the look on her face. They chose that picture on purpose. <laughs> An important message from Annalie Mulbach. Dear Grandpa, my personal goal is $300. It's not too late. You can still help me reach my goal and help Pine Crest Lakes Elementary with our Mega Blast fundraiser. I learned this years ago. I'm not going to give it to you. I will help you. What do I want out of my grandkids more than anything else? Answer that question for yourself. What do I want from this person more than anything else? Then you say, if you will do that, then I will give you such and such. Now, what do I want from my grandkids? I want them listening to sermon audio. And I'm willing to pay them to do it. I've always been willing to pay them to do it. $10 a sermon. Makes Michelle crazy because I won't pay her. True story. <laughs> Listen to a sermon. 30, 40 minutes, something like that. Answer two questions, very broad, general questions, so if I know you actually listen to it, I'll give you 10 bucks. I'm going to give you one guess how much money I had to put toward those, those fundraisers. They had learned, I don't have to do anything. The money will just come. I actually heard Annalise say, when are they going to start giving? And I thought to myself, when did you ask? I love my granddaughter. I don't want her to be a millennial. Millennials are packed full of this nonsense in their head that I don't have to. I don't have to. We must create hunger. And the only way to do that kindly is just not to help them do wrong. Spiritually, never give direct answers. And folks, this one is very, very hard for me. I love answering Bible questions. It's my favorite thing in the world. I love answering Bible questions. Why? It gives me significance. And so I have to choose to rob myself of the good feeling when somebody asks me a Bible question, and that's, that's something that's hard for me to remember to do. Point them to where the answer is. Ben Glover at Park Ridge is excellent at this. In every bulletin, he asks a Bible question. He said, not so long, I, I want the answer and the passage you got it from. We get there on Sunday night, open the bulletin, and I'm, man, I get it every time. It's so-and-so. Yep, that's right. Where's it at? It's like, I don't know. 
Now I've got to go look. It's like, why do I got to go look? I knew the answer. Ben is helping me not to be spiritually slothful. I don't know if he knows he's doing that, but it works very, very well. And it's, it is helping me to become spiritually stronger in just maybe a small area, but I'm not sitting still anymore. I'm taking another step even after 49 years. Then finish what they start. Once they have done everything they can do, then you can finish it out for them. If, and hear me clearly, I'm not worried about Annalie or Hayden here because I'm going to listen. But if you, if you, I promise you this, Annalie's goal was 300 bucks. Let's suppose she listened to five sermons and she just couldn't do any more. You know what she would have got from me? 300 bucks. 100% guaranteed. Because she did what she could. What did she get from me? Nothing. Nothing. All I asked was you have to participate in some way. Slothfulness says, no, I don't want to. I'm depending on you to feel guilty, so you will do it for me. This morning, Michelle said, will you walk the puppy? I said, Michelle, I don't want to walk your puppy next week. She said, but you're up. You're, you're, you're done. You're just sitting there waiting on me. I said, I got up early so I wouldn't have to rush. Now, the next question was precious. She said, so you would not help me. Do you remember my answer? I said, you wouldn't do it for you. Why should I do it for you? That's a wonderful question to ask a lethargic person. You wouldn't do it for you. Why should I do it for you? The problem is, is they're depending on us to feel guilty. The 5,000-pound person is depending on the wife or the husband to feel guilty and keep bringing them the food and help them die. Spiritually, all of it, it all falls into play. This kindly creates hunger. Again, forget at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. This is only about if I need it or someone I am helping needs it. That's all we care about because then it's real quick. It's gonna, we're going to wish we hadn't done that. If I don't, and this is not easy, if I don't, I am helping them physically, mentally, occupationally, or spiritually decline. Now, who wants that for one of their loved ones? We have to see what we are doing to add to the problem and remove the little bit that we are doing, making them come up with something else. That's, I'm not... This, this, yeah, I think we do it. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife not belonging to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. This person is creating hunger just for the drama. They are creating hunger just for the drama. It's not about them. It's not about somebody they're helping. They just want to get involved in data. Because if Datha looks bad, I feel better about myself. So I'm going to get involved with Datha and let's really, really, really feel good about myself because I'm helping Datha. 
this person needs drama and it, they're easy to spot they're easy to see in the mirror okay how much drama can I go without easy to do turn the TV off turn the computer off how many hours can we go with nothing happening that's how much we need drama when he doesn't have any drama of his own he goes looking for drama Matthew 5 9 Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. How do we do the good? Making peace. Helping Datha become better, even though it's none of my business. Without getting the meddling. How do we do that? Make sure everyone, make sure everyone hears everything at the same time. Make sure everyone hears everything at the same time. Dave, I'm going to pick on you because you're right there. Okay? When I talk to Dave, make sure Wade is there because Wade has some bit of ability to do it. Make sure that everybody who has anything to do with Dave's problem is there all at the same time. At that point, I'm being a peacemaker between them. And I'm less likely to try to say, well, Wade's your problem. Dave is your problem. So-and-so is your problem. Everybody is there at the same time. Do it one time and then back off and let them have it. Peacemakers. They show the answer and then they step back. That's what a peacemaker does. A peacemaker does not get in the middle of it and talk one time here and one time here. That's creating strife. Okay, now i got to be done. Father, thank you so much for the men of Hezekiah. Solomon wrote it. No question Solomon wrote it. But Solomon wanted it left out. I thank you for what that's teaching us. But thank you for the men of Hezekiah who probably at Hezekiah's direction said put that in. Thank you that your word will last forever because you preserve your word. Even the parts that we kind of wish wasn't there. Please help us to ask, what do you want me to be doing right now? Please get us past the idea that I've been saved a long time, I've done what I need to do. Help us get past the idea that I'm retired, I don't need to do that. Help us to see the next step. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.